Welcome to Eat, Sleep, Wine, Repeat, a podcast for all you wine lovers who, if you're like me, just cannot get enough of the good stuff. I'm Yanina Doyle, your host, brand ambassador, wine educator, and sommelier. So stick with me as we dive deeper into this ever-evolving, wonderful world of wine. And wherever you are listening to this, cheers to you. Hello and welcome back to another episode on the Finger Lakes. So if you haven't listened to part one, go backwards. And this is part two again with Megan Frank, fourth generation from Dr. Constantin Frank. Now you should already have a pretty fair idea of how special the Finger Lakes is if you listen to part one. But I wanted to point out something about its latitude because it's incredibly similar to many of the European wine regions. So the Finger Lakes sits in the 43rd parallel. Now comparing that within America, actually Oregon also is 43 degrees too. But if we pop across to Europe, interestingly enough, places like Tuscany are also on the 43rd parallel. So it's pretty interesting when you think, why is it so cold in the Finger Lakes when in fact it is lower than places like Burgundy and Champagne? And really, this is all about the glaciers of the Ice Age, them receding and then creating such a unique geography and climate. And it was explained to me that whilst Tuscany, as an example, has a very similar latitude to the Finger Lakes, you have different effects. So the Zahara comes up and actually has an effect on Tuscany, whereas Canada has a big effect on the Finger Lakes. So it's just very interesting, the geography and the surrounding areas and what they can do. Right, now this episode, we will be looking at more of the exciting grape varieties that Dr. Constantin Frank grows, so Gewürztraminer, Riccatzatelli, the white grape variety from Georgia, and of course, Cabernet Franc, which is really the number one red grape variety in the Finger Lakes. Now, originally when it was planted, people really wanted Pinot Noir to win, but it was Cabernet Franc that just did better. It was Cornell University, who are based in New York, that started suggesting in the 1990s that Cabernet Franc should have the potential needed. It had looser bunches, thicker skins, it's cold, hearty, and it grows on all the lakes. And it also makes a fantastic rosé so what is not to love again I apologize for my not so great audio as you know from last episode something went a little array with the microphone but of course the content is fabulous so I hope you enjoy this episode and getting to know the finger lakes that little bit better now oh we're gonna go on to Gewürztraminer because I have it so I have the 2017 Gewürztraminer. Mm-hmm. Um, love this variety. Yes. Always spicy and tropical and light cheese and Turkish delight and rose petals and yes. the oily. So hopefully, let's see. Let's see how classic mm-hmm. are Gewürztraminer wines in the Finger Lakes compared to kind of what I've just said and sure. what we expect from, say, Alsace or even Germany. Sure, yeah. I would say quite different. Yeah, so, um, you know, for us, it's it's along the same line as Riesling. There is mm-hmm. um, a delicateness and um, sort of a, a lightness to mm-hmm. this variety produced here because we just don't have 
the amount of sun, you know, that they do in, mm-hmm. in say, Alsace. Uh, you're not getting the, you know, the viscosity, the intensity, you know, coming from that. It, it is rose petal lychee, but it's, there's like a lifted citrus note. And then mm-hmm. the acidity is not quite as bright as many of the Rieslings that we produce, but there mm-hmm. is a, a freshness, you know, from this wine. Um, you know, we're bordering 12 and a half, 13% alcohol, so nothing too crazy. And, um, you know, they, they tend to be a little bit more restrained, I would say, than maybe Styles and Altuadege or, or Alsace. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's certainly a place for them. And, and it is a really interesting variety for the Finger Lakes because of its aromatic potential. And this is our, this is our bread and butter. This is what we do so well is these aromatic varieties. You know, they really, uh, really express themselves beautifully, um, on our rocky soils. And especially with winemaking techniques, looking at, at cold soaks prior to fermentation, really enhancing uh, the aromatic potential. So um, it's, it's one of my personal favorite varieties. I, I really enjoy it. And um, I think they age beautifully as well because of their nice, bright acidity. Mm. I I love the, the richness of this, but I agree. I see what you mean by the restraint. Now, mm-hmm. for anyone who's not used to Gewürztraminer, mm-hmm. I can tell you drinking this or smelling this, it's still pretty lifted, not as as much as, <laughs> as you can get maybe from, from Europe. But what I'm still getting mm-hmm. is lovely honeysuckle notes mixing with more of a peachy nature. Mm-hmm. Like maybe it is going slightly tropical, but it's maybe not as lychee. Mm-hmm. And it's dry as well for mm-hmm. everyone that we should point out because some Gewürztraminer's can have quite a bit of residual sugar in there. Right. Um, but I, I actually think that it is floral, but it's almost more, instead of the rose petals, I'm getting things like maybe lilac, like mm. a slightly more delicate going towards that earthier perfume edge than mm-hmm. bright and intense, if that kind of makes sense. Yes, beautiful. Mm, it's really beautiful. And of course, anyone, get this Gewürztraminer and get some Thai food and you'll Ooh, be like, yes. you'll be away won't you you know in happy camper yeah absolutely now it does not have the acidity Gewürztraminer does not have the acidity that Riesling does Correct. anyway Correct. and this doesn't but still very very refreshing but what I like but it's got a real spicy finish mm-hmm. so I get this kind of ginger mm. edge right in the end that just kind of gives you a bit of a tingle on the palate right at the back um, right. as you finish I think it's um really really as obviously aromatic really rather giving it's it's not huge but it is just getting into full bodied Mm -hmm. um hence why with all your kind of lovely thai foods with all those different flavors this is going to kind of pair really nicely oh wonderful Mm. Now you're making me hungry. Mm. Well, well, you should also be thirsty. <laughs> right, you drink this you, too. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, now I, I, I am going when I uh, finish this uh, podcast right at the end. Everyone, I'm going to let you know where you can get these wines or confirm pricing because I had a quick look and wasn't so lucky on my quick search just before this recording. But I believe this is about the same price as the Riesling, Correct. isn't it? Yes. Mm. Yep. Okay, so ideally, when we can find it, I'll see if I can find some retailers to tell you. For those of you in the UK, it's going to be around the £20 mark. But everyone in America listening and Canada, I have quite a few listeners there. Oh, I'm sure you've got a very easy uh, access to these wines. So do, yes. do go and try. Yeah, absolutely. Now, since joining... 
the winery yourself specifically in 2013. Mm -hmm. I want to talk about some of the changes that you've implemented. So should we talk about the Helm series for a second? Sure. Yeah, Mm. no, it's been it's been wonderful. Yes, I joined the winery full time in 2013. I work alongside my father, Fred, who has been such an amazing mentor for me. Um, I, it was a later decision for me to go into the wine industry. Um, I'm one of three. I have a sister and a brother. I'm the oldest. Mm-hmm. And it was for four generations, the winery has been passed down through the only son of you ah. know each generation. And mm-hmm. that was meant to be my brother <laughs> <laughs> until he decided you know it wasn't for him. And around the same time, I was about 20. I became really interested in wine um, when I was in college, and and yeah, so he's been a, a real force in my in my growth and progression, and I've learned a tremendous amount from him. And we're really the first pair of generations who have really gotten along very well. Okay, um, that's always that's useful. Yeah, it's always useful, right? And he's taken <laughs> a lot from his experience working with his father, who who he would say would say no for sport you know he would just go to him with an idea hey dad I have this idea no you know before Uh he even said it so he's been given you know he's given me a lot of autonomy at a very young age Mm. which I I very much appreciate and so one of the things when I first started was looking at you know we did a full catalog of the vineyards and of the sites that we have and looking mm-hmm. at the age of the vines. So some of our vineyards are going back to 1958. Uh, you know, true to Constantine's original plantings, we have a block of Pinot Noir, Riesling, Chardonnay, um, a few different varieties that, um, you know, incredibly old vines. And we wanted you to... You have, sorry, just, just yes. to interrupt, you have like the second oldest Pinot Noir vines, don't you? Correct. In, in America, the US. Right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes, sorry, which is really exciting. Mm-hmm. So because Constantine mm-hmm. really planted on the correct rootstock from day one, you know, these vines have withstood the test of time. And amazing. Um, yeah, so it's we're very excited about that and about these older vine vineyards. And, you know, for me, something that was really important was looking at some of our best sites and our best blocks, but also telling the story of the women who have helped build our family Mm -hmm. business, you know, when we tell the Mm -hmm. story, and even when I told it earlier, you know, so much about our story is Constantine. But what I am remiss in, in that, you know, talking about is my great grandmother, Eugenia, who was right by his side, you know, throughout uh, fleeing the Soviet Union, coming here, starting the winery, hand labeling every bottle, working with Constantine in the vineyard, you know, she was really the person that, that made this possible. Mm -hmm. And then my grandmother, Margaret, my two great aunts, you know, they have really helped tremendously and they really, their stories weren't told. So the idea was to kind of highlight our best sites and then to, Mm -hmm. to kind of pair that with the personality of these women. And so, yeah, it's been a really, um, very fulfilling project and we have four wines so it's my great-grandmother Eugenia my grandmother Margaret my great-aunt Hilda and my great-aunt Lena and um, they each represent something that's truly special you know about our winery and it's a way for us to tell their story as well so um, they really become our kind of super 
premium line of wines, and I'm very proud of uh, of them and and um, and being able to share their stories. Yeah, and I, what I love about that is that from doing some reading myself about all these women, it's almost like they have sacrificed a whole lot of themselves to make sure that they are in the shadows, but pushing their husbands forward and that this whole dynasty that's been created would not be where it is without them so it's amazing that you've dedicated these wines to them and now you've broken the trend thank goodness (laughs) about time everyone and that a woman is taking over Uh it can be both everyone so how good that one of the not the only thing but one of the first things you've implemented is this dedicated series so men and women listening go and get yourself a bottle within the health series mm-hmm. whichever one whether you want to support Genia or then you whatever you want there's no but get there and support this because um we need to do that right sure yeah, beat sure. the bias exactly as they say now you mentioned I have to touch on this mm-hmm. you mentioned the Raxitelli uh-huh. grape variety in fact you also do the the, the Saparavi yeah um, so you've taken the oldest grape varieties from Georgia and obviously, well, you personally haven't. Constantine has brought <laughs> yes. it over. You weren't there yet. Right. Uh, you, weren't, you weren't there then. Right, um, right. But he's brought over these varieties, which I think is really interesting. And actually, I also recently did a podcast on Moldova. Oh, wonderful. And they also have the Raxitelli. And it seems yes. that these these two varieties, Raxitelli and Saparavi, have kind of, they've traveled, you know, from Georgia, certainly in the Eastern European countries and Romania. Yes. And, it's, and of course, and Ukraine. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it seems that obviously it must have been doing well then that he thought, you know what, these are two very good varieties to bring over to um, the Finger Lakes. So just right. how how is the Raxatelli doing? Is he doing it in a very clean style or is he doing mm-hmm. it in a more, are you, not he, you now? <laughs> uh-huh. So confusing. There's so many people I in the story. <laughs> are you doing uh-huh. the Rexitelli in an orange style as they yes. would do in Georgia. Okay, so you kind of being true to that, like the, the history of that variety. Right, yeah, so we do two different styles with Rexitelli. And uh, yeah, this was a, a real um, kind of shining star for Constantine. He had worked with this variety mm. in Ukraine. And, um, and actually, I, I recently learned that Stalin was Georgian. So the, okay. the um, emergence of these varieties... Briquettes Italians at Bravi throughout the Soviet Union and their push to be planted, um, you know, these two Georgian grapes is, is a very interesting, interesting thing that, uh, you know, that he, Constantine was very excited, you know, about <laughs> those two in particular. But Riccatzatelli, um, we have vines going back all the way to the 1960s. Um, and it is truly a you know cool climate variety. It uh, does very well in the, in colder temperatures in the cold winters that we have, mm-hmm. and uh, it's a looser cluster, so it it mitigates some molds and mildews very well. Um, you know, there's a lot of airflow that can come through the cluster. It can be very high yielding if um, the yields aren't sort of monitored with um, pruning and green harvesting but it for us we have very old vines so the yields are sort of naturally reduced um, and we do a stainless steel fermented and matured style which is a really fresh um, herbaceous almost similar to maybe similar to like a Savion Blanc I've okay. heard mm-hmm. it being 
referred to like Rusan Marsan blend because it has a textural aspect. Oh, interesting. Because um, I've also heard I don't know. So and and listen, I don't know. I don't know Russian sure. enough. But I've heard people say it maybe is a little bit like Petit Chablis. Sure. In sure. terms of this kind mm-hmm. of real crisp, refreshing yes. nature. So I wonder whether it. I don't know whether that mm-hmm. it can be that as well. Or yeah. Do you think certainly. the texture comes through more. Yeah, I think mm. it depends also on the winemaking style, you know, and also mm-hmm. the age of the mm-hmm. vines. Um, because it, it can be, you know, again, high yielding. So younger plantings mm. could yield like, you know, a very fresh sort of um, easy drinking style. And then you can yeah. have very textural, quite, you know, medium body. Um, I almost get, I usually get like a lemongrass note, like there's mm-hmm. a mm-hmm. herbal nature to the, to yeah. the aromatics. Mm-hmm. Um, but we also do a orange wine where we ferment on the skins uh, and then press off the skins and age in amphora uh, for about nine months. So not quite a quivery <laughs> style, we're not burying them in the ground, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it's sort of an homage to that very mm. ancient winemaking method. And because um, we, we shorten it RCATS, RCATS has very thick skins. Uh, it does mm-hmm. really an interesting thing uh, during the fermentation and the color is just a really vibrant sort of tangerine color um i wish we had some to give <laughs> give to you you mean that no but you, you know what i think it. that means that i'm gonna need to go and obtain it myself it, you know yes. you gotta keep me you've got to keep me excited right? <laughs> sounds good <laughs> yes but it is a very very interesting variety and i think it suffers a little bit from uh marketing challenge with its name i think if it well, well, now yes. you call it. Well, I love that you're calling it Arcat. Yes, awesome. yes. Um, and obviously, you know, I've the the name that we both agree it's Raxitelli. But then yes. I also hear people in the wine industry calling it Cazzatelli and just ignoring right. the R. So, and they often are very knowledgeable people as well. So I actually don't yes. know. Is it Raxitelli or is it Cazzatelli? Yeah, I think it's either. So I have a, a good friend who's Georgian, and he said even there, people call it Cazzatelli or Cazzatelli. Like well, you that, could, and, and that's and that doesn't help, does right. it? Right? <laughs> yeah, there's no definitive. <laughs> but yeah, it it is it is kind of split. I I agree, but that's kind of part of the mystique, right? Of the the, mm. in, the intrigue of the the variety that there are some. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Right, I'm going to go on to the last wine, which is the Cabernet Franc. But I just want to say, it's so I really love taking more time with these wines, and I've been smelling them as you've been talking. Yes. And now, just to add to my very vague tasting notes before, there's more of this like icing sugar note. Mm. It's a you know dry wine, everyone, but this icing sugar note. So Mm. if everyone can imagine this kind of lovely sweet aromatic lift, and then there is rose oil coming through on the nose it's it really is beautiful if nobody has experienced a convertstramina this might not be a classic classic style because there's a little bit more restraint but actually you may prefer it because sometimes convertstramina is way too in your face right actually just saying (laughs) so okay let's go to the cabernet franc and Mm-hmm. loving the fact that this is 2016 yes so we've had some time you know it's quite light i'm looking in the glass it's yes. very light it's not too deep at all yes what are we how are you working with cabernet franc yes yep so cabernet franc is sort of next in line after riesling uh mm-hmm. to a, a very very common widely planted grape variety in the finger lakes and that's because it it does uh ripen a little bit earlier than Mm -hmm. Merlot and Cabernet Sauvignon so 
we are able to pick it at full ripeness um, prior to our sort of deep freeze <laughs> that occurs in November. <laughs> yeah. We are on a, a strict timeline here in the Finger Lakes. We can't just let it let it hang mm. forever. Um, so, and the Cabernet Francs, they tend to be quite, um, quite aromatic. So for us, mm. we, we don't want to overpower uh, with too much oak. So there is a little bit of oak treatment here. We have... Um, you know, uh, 18 months in French oak and only about 20% of that is new French oak. So really mm. looking to kind of high highlight and soften the tannins, but really highlight the, the lifted, you know, violet and, um, red fruit tones that you get, uh, you know, with this, with this variety, uh, not trying to cover that up too much. Um, but it, it is a very uh, interesting variety, and I think it's something quite distinctive. Like, you don't find very often single, you know, varietal Cabernet Francs coming from the U.S. It's, they're, you know, obviously used in, in blends. So mm-hmm. the Loire is our closest kind of um, comparison, which I think is helpful for us <laughs> because there's, there's yeah. not this um, preconceived notion uh, oftentimes with this variety. Yeah, because I've been talking on many podcasts and I'm always championing Cabernet Franc. Mm-hmm. And for those listening to my previous podcast, they'll yes. know that, you know, British Columbia is doing the... Yes. Like, you know, Canada is also doing amazing examples of Cabernet Franc. Yes. But when I have my episode on British Columbia, the winemakers can't agree as to do they want to do the very the lighter style or do they want to do the heavily oaked style. And so that sure. doesn't help in terms of marketing. Um, but all oh, delicious everyone so just get Cabernet Franc but I have to say <laughs> this is a beautiful example if we compare it to the Loire mm-hmm. which does always tend to be a lot less oak very bright mm-hmm. very fresh and here I'm getting loads you said the red fruit spectrum mm-hmm. totally but we're getting pomegranate red cherry cranberry but then mm-hmm. this lovely hint of smoke Mm-hmm. That little lift of green pepper without it being is mm-hmm. really in the background and that slight just earthy forest note, but mm-hmm. really it's this very, very light wine. Mm-hmm. I'm loving the the fact that it is so vibrant and light. And I'm surprised mm-hmm. you've put it 18 months in oak and there is new oak mm-hmm. because of how restrained that is actually. Yes, absolutely. And I think a few years in bottle too helps really soften soften the wine and 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 help it integrate a little bit um you know these wines especially red wines from the finger lakes they really do much better with a few years of bottle age mm-hmm. just to to let them mellow and let the tannin soften and let the acid soften a little bit so uh definitely recommended to look for for aged styles and the tannins are, mm-hmm. are actually really really light for me they're Mm -hmm. there they're present but they're just very very silky they're not grippy in in any way so Mm -hmm. i mean you can't don't get me wrong everyone listening this is not a pinot noir (laughs) um but if you like elegant pinot noirs you would absolutely love this because it's got the red fruit spectrum it's got very very soft tannins it's really very bright and it has little earthy notes as well um i think this is delicious so what i found online very quickly again everyone i will try and clarify in a bit Mm -hmm. but i found it for 34 pounds in england 
um, from a place called Renouf's Wine Bars, yeah. but they're out of stock. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> but they might get it back in stock. Yeah, but yeah. I will try and find some some other places so that uh, we're not disappointed. Mm-hmm. Now, I just want to finish off quickly. You mentioned to me a story that just sounded brilliant. Now, mm-hmm. um, it was on reasoning. Mm-hmm. Trockenberry Auslaser. So for everybody, mm-hmm. this is literally the top of the sweet wine pyramid. So often shortened down to TBA. It it stands for dry berry selection. It's it's the highest sugar levels in the Predacats fine category. Everyone go back to a few episodes ago when I was talking about Germany. Um, and they have to be affected by noble rot, which is quite difficult because it's a type of fungus, but a good one. Um but anyway, you guys have made this only three times, haven't you, in the Correct. whole period. But Constantin apparently said, was there a story? He said something really, really funny. I need you to explain to me <laughs> yes. in more detail this little anecdote. Absolutely. Yeah, so in, in 1962, Constantin celebrated his first vintage. So we're mm. celebrating this year 60 years from our first oh, vintage. Yeah, mm. we're very excited. And in his first vintage, he he did it. He made America's first truck and barrel houses, a Riesling, mm-hmm. full berry select, 100% botrytis, something that's very difficult to do um, in his first year. Uh, from Nothing the like showing off, is it? It's showing off, right? A little, he's, he's brushing <laughs> off his shoulder a little bit, you know, uh-huh. to the naysayers that said vinifera, you know, couldn't be grown. He uh-huh. <laughs> he went, he took it a step further. Yeah. But he, again, you know, he was a, a researcher, a scientist, an experimenter. He was not very interested in, in making a profit and selling the wine. You know, he was much more interested in talking about his theories of grape growing and winemaking. And, um, you know, he would sell this wine. Uh, he put a price tag, you know, this is in, in the 60s, um, $40 a bottle which is like so an exorbitant, ooh, yeah, I can imagine <laughs> a very, very expensive wine. And you also had to produce a marriage certificate that you had been married <laughs> at least 20 years in order to buy a bottle, because then only then you would understand the sacrifice that it took to make this wine. <laughs> I mean, apart from the fact that I find that really funny, yes. and it's kind of probably true. <laughs> yes. Although I don't think you, I don't think you'd be able to get away with that in this day and age. No, probably you? not. But, um, yes. but go back then. I mean, that's absolutely brilliant, and I'm sure for everyone who has been married for several years, they're probably like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. we know, we know, absolutely. It's worth it in the end, everyone. Love right. is love. Love it's, is love. Uh, exactly. <laughs> now, people, can people come and visit you? Absolutely. Yeah, we are open year round. We um, have visitors come in non-pandemic times from all over the world. You know, mm-hmm. to come. We're right along the path. The Finger Lakes is a great region if you're visiting Niagara Falls and choose to okay. come to the Finger Lakes on your way down to New York City. So that's a really popular... How long So how long would that take? Yes, if you so, went to Niagara Falls... Yeah, so if you flew into, say, Buffalo, New York, went to Niagara Falls, you were about two and a half hours from Niagara Falls, okay. um, stop, spend some time in the Finger Lakes, and then it's about five hours to New York City. So that's a very popular sort of path. And mm-hmm. um, we're certainly, we love to receive guests. Our big season is May through October, so that's when we receive mm-hmm. the most guests, but... Uh, winter time is a wonderful time to visit as well because it's very quiet and you get a lot of personalized attention. So really any season, it's, it's really a wonderful time to visit. 
visit the Finger Lakes, and um, there's really a lot to do here. So um, we'd love to uh, welcome everybody with open arms here to the Finger Lakes. Perfect. And just to finish, finish off, I did this all the time. I already said I was just finishing off. I'm not. Um, To finish, finish off, what are the great varieties that people should be looking for? Riesling and Cabernet Franc, obviously. Yes. Riesling, Cabernet Franc, traditional method sparkling wines um, Mm -hmm. are really, really an exciting development. You know, we've been producing traditional method sparkling since 1985 with my grandfather starting that operation but we have many neighbors that are producing fantastic sparkling wines um also separavi a red Mm -hmm. Georgian grape Mm -hmm. that's really up and coming um and then uh pinot gris gewürztraminer gruner veltliner a lot of aromatic aromatic white wines i would say are are very much in our wheelhouse Uh, but riesling first and foremost (laughs) <laughs> yes. great variety yes. lovely thank great. you thank you for just I mean we've touched the surface I mean, but of course there's no point in going too geeky into this region because we need everyone to realise how amazing it is so they get involved and, uh, yes. and try some wines and come and visit right absolutely well thank Perfect. you so much Anina oh, you've been fantastic oh, thank you thank and you. Um, everybody if you haven't realised how iconic this winery is get on it I love a wine with a story you definitely have that thank, thank you. you and you're and I love where you are leading this winery oh, girl you. power I girl say power no yes I <laughs> love it and, and and dads that also and dads that are yes give them power exactly yes. we, love, we love good dads um, right. thank you Megan you're fabulous oh, and um, you, when Nina. I'm when I'm in New York I yes. will take that five-hour drive please do please do <laughs> thank you take <laughs> thank care thank you you as well bye bye-bye So that's it from Megan Frank. However, as you know, there is a part three and a part four. So next week, I am handing over the baton to Richard Rainey of Forge Cellars. Now, these guys are based in Seneca Lake. This is the biggest lake in the middle. And they focus entirely on dry Rieslings. And when I say dry Rieslings, under four grams residual sugar per litre. So they are very specific on dry means dry so you are in for a treat next week now of course to finish off i have a wine quote for you and i was lucky enough to find one specifically from the finger lake so in a book called summer in a glass the coming of age of winemaking in the finger lakes by even dawson there is a quote and this is by second generation John McGregor from the McGregor Vineyards. You can find them in the Kuka Lake there about midway up, a little further north than Dr. Constantine Frank, but on the east side. And in this, he was quoted. So it's also another book for you guys to add to your list. Now he said, what I love about wine is that it's open to anyone no matter how they're dressed or what they look like. Wine is the great equaliser. We'll hear here to that. Thank you, as always, for listening. Uh, make sure you have subscribed if you haven't, so you don't miss an episode. Do like it. Leave a comment, especially if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, because it makes it more discoverable. Share the podcast with your wine-loving friends. And until next week, cheers to you.